We are in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be finishing the book of Ephesians. Kind of a bittersweet. Love this book. Next week we'll go into Philippians. Joy through suffering. Woohoo! Can't wait. <laughs> I think we all got a little taste of that this year, didn't we? Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be uh, looking at verses 14 through 24, but I really want to back it up to uh, verse 10 to get a run at it because we kind of covered that last time, but we need to hit it again. So Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse 10. Paul says to the Ephesians church in closing, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your, uh, gird, girding your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Father, thank you uh, for the word of God. Holy Spirit, minister to our hearts. Show us what you'd have us to see today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I went back a little bit to last week because... We need to understand that we're in a warfare entitled the message, the armor of God. We are in a warfare. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You as Christians need to keep that in mind. Every time you get in an argument with somebody, you need to keep in mind you're not fighting flesh and blood. You're fighting demonic spirits, darkness, wickedness. It's, it, you've got to get that in your head because when you have an argument with someone or with your spouse or there's division in the church, whatever it may be, that means that one or both have taken the bait of Satan. And to acknowledge it and have a grasp and a handle on the Word of God to be able to diffuse that situation is so necessary for each and every one of us. But if you don't know this Word, how are you going to defend yourself? And if you don't know this Word... You're putting on the armor and it ain't doing you any good. You got to actually open this book up. You got to study it. B I B L E, basic instruction before leaving earth. You got to have it in you. It's so important to have the armor of God because we are in a spiritual warfare and we're battling. And, and Satan is so good to get us to fight amongst ourselves because he whispers in our ear, right? Hey, you going to take that from them? Did you hear what they said? Seriously? You're going to put up with that? You don't deserve that. 
You ever heard those whispers when someone's attacking you? Oh, he's so subtle. He knows how to get us. There's a spiritual warfare. And see, and see, Satan's whole goal is to stop you from being a light for Jesus Christ. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, Satan then wants to stop you from doing ministry. You know how he does that? He makes you too tired. Um, you know what? I work six days a week. I, I, I need Sunday off. I don't want to serve, you know, because I just want to rest and soak in the word. You know what? There's nothing better than serving God. You will get such a joy and such a blessing out of it. He whispers to us, you know, oh, don't go Wednesday nights. Come on, what are you, a fanatic? You go every Sunday. Wednesdays too? You don't need that. And when you want to decide in your heart you're going to come like to prayer on Wednesday nights, what happens? Boy, I'm tired. Well, that was a rough day. I don't really feel up to it. I'm, I, I think I'm just going to rest. And we don't realize the subtlety of the enemy and how he goes at us. And I'll tell you what, here's another thing. I don't know if this happens to you. I know it happens to me. But where Satan can't get me in the physical realm, he goes after me in my dreams. Can any, anybody relate to that? I was talking, yeah, I was talking with you the other day, Eric, just about, you know, he was telling me how, man, it's just these demonic dreams he's been having, and it's, and it's so true. It's like, I have amazing dreams, I have godly dreams, and then I have these dreams where I'm just being attacked, right? And, and dreams are, are crazy because they seem so real, don't they? And I mean, anybody ever had a bad dream? I mean, you know, you know what it's like when a monster is chasing you. You, you go this fast. Right? And if you're trying to defend yourself, you're throwing marshmallows. You can't even punch. You can't do anything. You know, I fly in my dreams, but if someone's chasing me, I start to run out of steam and I start sinking. And it's interesting how what the enemy can't get me to do now that I used to do. He'll come at me in my dreams with lust and drugs and wicked things. But then there's another beauty that God gives us dreams too. And he's given me some amazing dreams that have come true. He's given me scary dreams of just an end-time disaster. And I'm, I'm at the streets in Hanalei and crying out the gospel as people are running like crazy left and right. Finding myself sitting in the gutter weeping. We're in a spiritual warfare. The enemy is out to take us down. You know, I think, talking about dreams, that we could actually use that as a good witnessing tool to people. Because we've all talked to people who said, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't believe in a heaven and I don't believe in a hell. And you'll say something like, well, that doesn't change anything. It's still there. Well, I don't believe in God and I don't believe in the devil. That's good for you. And I don't believe that whole spiritual realm. And that's when you can say to him, do you dream? Well, yeah, sure. Okay, so you're laying in bed. You're still. There's no noise. Your eyes are closed, and it's dark. But when you start dreaming, the lights are on. You can hear everything. There's action taking place. I, I, I can smell, taste, feel in my dream. But I'm in a dark room. I'm laying still. My eyes are closed. It's quiet. So how can that be? There's something spiritually, there's something that you and I cannot see. 
You know, we talk about we live in three dimensions, and, but we know there's a fourth dimension from Ephesians. That when we're fighting against someone, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but principalities, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. There's something going on. We know that when we preach the word of God, angels are present. The angels in heaven are looking at the church to see how God reveals his plan because they don't know it. And God's revealing it through us. And that's why they're ministers to the saints. That's why they're looking into these. But you know what? You need to understand that not just our angels present, but there's demonic powers present because why? They want to snatch the word of God from you. You know how subtle the enemy is? Some people sleep in church. <laughs> and I know who they are. <laughs> and they work really hard and God bless them, you know. But you know what I'm saying? It's, it's one of those things like when, when you, when you're, you know, when there's something that God really wants you to hear in the scriptures and you find yourself just going. And that's okay. I'd rather have you here sleeping than not here and sleeping. Because you'll get some kind of a blessing anyway, even if you sleep. Maybe God will give you a dream. <laughs> right? We are in a spiritual battle and what we're going to be looking at today is the importance of being suited up with the armor when do you ask for the armor of god first thing in the morning suit up every morning right because the armor doesn't do you any good if you're already in the battle <laughs> nothing worse than trying to get your armor on in the battle but we are in a warfare second corinthians 10 verse 4 says this for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in god for the for the pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I pray that you would commit yourself so much to God that you would submit yourself to God and let Him have full reign in your life to direct you and guide you every step of the way. Lord, help us to keep our mouths shut with what we think we need to do, but just hear what you say we need to do. And I'll tell you what, you're going to have a more blessed life. I don't know, maybe you're like me, I fight God. I've got my own ideas when he tells me, well, I think you should do that. I'm like, well, Lord, did you really know that you ever have those kind of conversations with God? Are you trying to like clue him in about someone or something? Oh, okay, Lord, but do you really know who we're talking about here? I want to be able to submit myself completely to God. Spiritual warfare is real. We talked about that last week. The more you serve God, the harder you get hit. Anybody getting hit lately? It was a tough year. I think we all got hit pretty hard. But some of us didn't recognize that it was a spiritual warfare. And we just kept looking and running around crazy on the horizontal and forgot to look up. Submit ourselves to God. Resist the devil. He will flee. Put on the whole armor of God. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. We need to be telling ourselves that daily because we are in a real warfare. It's a fight. And the enemy doesn't want you sharing the gospel. He doesn't want you leading people to Christ. But that's what we're here to do. And I talked to you last week about that we are pastors. The Bible calls us kings and priests. And we're all pastors in a sense and disguised as something else. You might be a waiter, a carpenter. You might be a fireman, a police officer. You might be a teacher. 
but you're disguised as those things to be able to reach those people in the area where you work for the gospel of Christ. And you know, whatever I realize that Satan can't do to me in the physical, he'll come at me spiritually. Have you ever had like a, a great day? Everything's going fine, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you just feel like junk? Nothing happened. No phone calls. Nobody said anything. There wasn't anything on, the, on your email. And all of a sudden, you went from this super high to like, you feel like you're just super low. It's a spiritual warfare. We've got to take our thoughts captive. We've got to redirect our mind. When the attacks come in, we've got to be suited up and we've got to lay it at the feet of Jesus and be released from that bondage that so easily grabs onto us over situations that we face each and every day. And so he says there in verse uh, 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in that evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Now, Paul's in prison at this time. This is a prison epistle. And we've been looking at him telling us for three chapters what God thinks about us. And it's so important to understand those three chapters because then you understand your position in God, you understand how God feels about you, and then when you get to chapter 4, 5, and 6, your reasonable response is, I want to serve you, God, for all you've done for me. And so he tells us how we should act in the home, at the workplace. He lists all these different things, and, and he talks about husbands and wives, and, and then he tells us, listen, you're never going to be able to do these things without the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he finishes up the whole book with, and oh, by the way, put on the armor. And now it's not physical armor, it's spiritual armor, but we're in a spiritual battle. So the spiritual armor works. But you got to pray up. Paul, having been in prison at this time, was chained to a Roman soldier. And no doubt was looking at this Roman soldier's armor and reflecting on what Isaiah said in other parts in the Bible and just using it as a witnessing tool, right? I mean, he's probably just looking at this guy going, man, look at that armor you got on. That's awesome. Woo! You got the belt of truth on there. You got breastplate of righteousness. And oh, man. Feet shod. Oh, you, you got sure-footed feet right there. And boy, the shield of faith and Tink, 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 helmet of salvation and the sword. You know how to use that sword? It's important that you know how to use your sword. But it's interesting that he writes things in Romans times where people would understand a little bit more about what he's talking about. Because the Roman belt was six to eight inches wide. It was leather. It held all their all their weaponry, it held, it held their armor together. It was, so when he says, gird up, having girded your waist with truth, this belt held everything together. The word of God is truth, and it will hold everything together in your life. You have to have truth before you go into battle. And that means preparation. You've got to prepare. You've got to train. You don't, you don't go into battle and then try to put on the belt of truth to hold everything together. 
you got to be all together before you go into that fight or you're going to be destroyed. And that's knowing the Word of God. We need to know the Word of God. And you need to prepare and train. Now, let me, let me just say this. If you're uh, any kind of an athlete, if you're a boxer, if you're a martial artist, these guys will train hours, days, months, years. Train, train, train. Soldier, train, train, train. Year, days, months after months, years after years for a battle that could last two to three minutes. But it's the preparation in your life that leads you to be victorious in that battle. But if you're not training, training, training in the Word of God, when the battle comes, you'll be sifted like wheat. He says there in verse 14, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. We are righteous because of what Jesus has done for us. The breastplate of righteousness protects your vital organs. It protects your heart. The enemy wants to take out your heart. And we want to protect our hearts. We want to protect the heart because everything that we believe, we believe in our heart. You've got to have head knowledge. You could even know in your head... Jesus is Lord, and He's the only way. But until you believe in your heart, it ain't going to take effect. Because you can say a lot of things that are on your mind, and they may not be true, but what's in your heart will come out. That's why the Bible says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, but believe in thy heart that God raised Him from dead, then you shall be saved. It's important for us to understand that. The breastplate of righteousness it's to live a life of righteousness before God. And what does that look like? Integrity. Uprightness in your life that others can see. Does that describe you? Are you a man of your word, a woman of your word? Do people see Jesus in you? Do they see uprightness and integrity in your life? We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We represent him. And I know that the enemy gets the best of all of us. We all blow it. We all lose our temper. We all snap. We all react without thinking. But there should be growth in our lives. You're not what you used to be. You're not what you should be, but you ain't what you used to be. And God is changing us from glory to glory. And then in verse 15, he says, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Wow. So in, right here we see that all of us are going to get some new slippers. And these are used to take us to spread the good news of the gospel. That's our job. That's why you're here, guys. It's not that career. It's not that person you're married to, in a sense. We're here to serve God first and foremost. We're here to share the gospel, to reduce the population of hell. Are you willing to be used by God? Is this year going to be, this new year coming up, going to be the greatest year that you ever served God? I hope so. Don't we want to go out swinging? I think the Lord's coming soon. 
And so he talks about these shoes that, that, that go out to spread the good news, the gospel of peace. And when you looked at a Roman soldier, the Roman soldier had these shoes, these boots, these sandals. They were like cleats. They had spikes like golf shoes. They had, they had like cleats, you know, so that they could dig in for the battle. They could be sure-footed. They could stand strong in the battle. And you and I need to be standing strong. For you and I, the Word of God helps us to stand strong so we don't trip and we don't stumble. Living a life of peace with God. Are you at peace with God? I hope so. Romans 10.15 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. That's what we're here to do. And I hope you do it all the way to your deathbed. You know, many of us have been in the hospital before and probably towards the end of our life we'll be in the hospital. That's your opportunity to reach the doctors and the nurses and the staff. Don't miss an opportunity. You go out swinging to the end. When you give your last breath, I hope it's sharing the gospel or telling loved ones how much you love them and look forward to seeing them again. It's important for us. In verse 16, he says, And above all, taking the shield of faith, which you'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Ooh, this is a good one. The shield of faith. The Roman shield was four feet long and about two, two and a half feet wide, and they were made a certain way on the edges where they could interlock them. It was teamwork when you're in the battle. This church, we're, we're in the battle together. We're teaming together. we got to work together. This Roman shield was very effective in battle. When You've seen the movies when they, they fire the fiery arrows, and it's like thousands of arrows coming in upon the troops. And what the Roman soldiers would do is they'd do this thing called the tortoise. And there'd be 27 men, six men in the front with their shields, and they would interlock them. And then you would have three rows of seven, and they would put their shields around the outside, and then the other guys on the inside would put their shields up above, and they'd make like what they called the tortoise. And then they would slowly just move forward, and as the arrows are firing, nobody's getting hit. And they would move in that formation until they get right in the enemy's camp, and then they'd break off and attack. They worked as a team. We have to work as a team as the body of Christ, right? If someone's not using their gift, they hinder the body of Christ. What's God saying in His Word? Uh, in other words, there's no lone rangers in the church. You, you got these people, that, you know, they don't go to church, you know, or they think that they've arrived and nobody can teach them anything. You know what? If I have a little five-year-old read the Bible to me, God could speak to me through that five-year-old. That's why we keep reading this over and over and over. But there's no lone rangers in Christianity. 
There, there's, there, you know, the Bible warns us not to forsake the gathering of the brethren because there's something very special and valuable that happens when we worship and study the Word together corporately and pray for one another. You, laying hands on one another, doing communion. You can't get that from YouTube. Worshiping, praying, serving together, watching each other's back, working as a team for one common goal. You know, we, we've been talking about we want to see revival, but it takes the faith, that shield of faith, to guard you from the fiery arrows of Satan, those fiery arrows of discouragement. You ever been discouraged? That's not of God. You ever been, felt like you're being condemned under condemnation? That's not of God. I'm just here to tell you, that's not God. That's the enemy whispering in your ear, discouraging you. You don't measure up. Look at you. You'll never amount to anything. That's the enemy. That's not God. And he wants, to, he wants to beat you up. He wants to discourage you. He wants you to go back to your old life. He wants to make things so hard in your ministry that you quit ministry so he'll back off on shooting arrows at you. And many times we think, you know what? I feel better now. No, you're, you're out of the will of God. You're not serving like God said. You've listened to the enemy. The arrows backed off because you retreated. And there's nowhere in the Bible you find retreat. We're to stand, we're to walk, we're to run, we're to finish well. Why? Because he's worth it. And you know what thing I found out too is if Satan can't get me with discouragement, you know what he'll do? He'll tell me how good I'm doing. Right? He's like, you're doing pretty good. I'm like, I am doing pretty good. Look at all the stuff you accomplished. Yeah. Man, you got it all together. I do. And you know the Bible like nobody. I have been studying. You should just take a Sunday off. I mean, come on. You already went three times this month. The surf's good. Man, I would like to surf on a Sunday. That'd be nice. I think you're right. It's, that's how subtle he is. If he can't get you with discouragement, he'll tell you how good you're doing and make you so puffed up that you think that you're better than others to get you away from what you're doing. He's smart. He's been studying man for 6,000 years. Hello. Can't read your mind, but he knows how we work. One thing I've noticed that when you're not doing anything for Christ, there's no arrows. Did you ever notice that? When I ask people, I go, how's your life doing? They're like, man, it's been going great. It's smooth. I just, whoo. I'm like, what you been doing for God lately? Because if you want to step out and do something for God, guess what? Arrows, right? You go to the mall, no arrows. You go to the R-rated movie, no arrows. You get on the internet and watch junk, no arrows. You say to yourself, I want to go to church. And as you're on your way to church, 50,000 arrows are launched at you. So what? So you won't go to church. Wednesday night, you will always be tired. Or you're going to get in that argument with your spouse, and the enemy knows if he can get you in an argument with your spouse, and that will keep you from coming to church. Guess what you're going to have every week on Wednesday or Sunday morning? Guess what's going to happen to you every Sunday morning? You're going to be tired. I'll tell you what, I've, I've talked to people over the years that had such a struggle getting to church on a midweek study, but never regretted it. 
The enemy will fight you tooth and nail all the way. We're in a spiritual warfare, guys. You can read the newspaper, wide awake. You can read all the junk about COVID and conspiracy on the internet, wide awake. You open up your Bible, it's like a sleeping potion. God so loved the world that I gave my only begotten son. But my faith, my shield of faith deflects the arrows of the enemy. So what is the shield of faith? It's a firm confidence in the Word of God. If you are armed with that, nothing can touch you spiritually in an evil way. If you're armed with the Word of God. Paul was a perfect example of that. Look at his life. Look how many times he was beaten and whipped. And he just kept going. Remember when he was rocked in, in Lystra, left for dead, got a glimpse of heaven, came back to life, and what did he say? Ha! Let's go back in the city! I don't know if he's saying, man, I'm going to finish well or finish me off. <laughs> like, I got a glimpse of heaven. I don't want to even be here. But he was a great example to all of us. Because he took a lick and he kept ticking, didn't he? And he was committed to the Lord no matter what. I, I, I read about his beatings and I just cringe. I'm like, I didn't sign up for that. You and I, we'd opt out so quick. Mission field, stop, forget it. In verse 17, he says, and take the helmet of salvation. You know what's interesting? The word take there is different from the other places in this section that says take. The word take there is a word used for receive. Receive the helmet of salvation. It's a gifting. It's a gift word. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you received the gift from God. Salvation. The helmet of salvation is used to protect your thoughts. Amen? We're supposed to take our thoughts captive. Are you taking them captive or are you entertaining your thoughts? Now, you know, the problem we always had with computers, when you'd have a computer and it was like a lesser model, it seems like as soon as you buy the new model, a greater model comes out, right? So you get this computer and all of a sudden you've got so much stuff on your computer, you're like, man, I got to get another computer. I got to get more, more memory or whatever because my hard drive's full. Right? You know what I'm talking about? How great would it be if Satan tried to tempt you with bitterness or unforgiveness that you just looked at him and said, sorry, I can't receive that. My hard drive is full of the things of God. See, because if you study the Bible carefully, what you're going to see is we have a limited capacity to what we can hold in this brain, this hard drive. And whatever you fill it with the most is what will take over. Because when you looked at the parable of the four soils in Matthew 13, right? You had the, you had the, the seed went by the wayside, the seed on the rocky ground, the seed on the thorny ground, the seed that landed on good soil. There's that one, the thorny stuff, that talks about Christians who love the Lord, they're saved, 
But the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches have choked out the word and there's no fruit in their life. What does that tell you? That the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches can choke out, can fill your head to a place where now there's no room for things of God. That's what it's saying. And I'm not saying riches are evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Not riches. Riches in the hands of a godly man or woman could be used for God's purposes. But what are you consumed with? Don't you want to be so consumed with the things of God that when the enemy comes to tempt you, you just go, no room, no room in the end. My hard drive's filled with the things of God. In 17, he also says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We need to have our sword. It's so important to have our sword. The sword of the Spirit. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. The Roman sword, they had a big sword. They had a big, like, like three-and-a-half-foot sword. And then they had this, like, two-foot sword, the Machaira. The Machaira was a shorter sword, sharpened on both sides for inside close-to-close hand combat. When you had the, the big sword, it was a broad sword. It was kind of a crowd control sword, right? They pulled that thing out and like this, right? And when you swang it, you know, basically it takes two hands and or you bring it over the top and like this. But it, it was awkward because it's heavy. And what the Romans would do is when they got in really close, they would pull out this little two-foot sword because they could move fast. Bam, you know? Side to side, bang. And it, it was very effective, but you had to train to use it. And people knew when they pulled out the Machaira, it meant business. Somebody was going to die. We, um, my family has a, a martial arts school, and we, we teach people sword fighting. And uh, we, rubber swords. And it's like, you know, you, you, you teach them all the movements, you know, the cross, the side to side, the up, the down, the this poking, the fanning, the, the spinning, the, all this stuff. And then you say, okay, go practice. And, and they'll go like this. Tink, 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 tink. Because, you know, they saw it on Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Just, and we're, I'm like, do the stuff I showed you. Do the stuff. Do the stuff. Use the other things. But it takes time and practice. And just like the Word of God, when, when somebody will come to me and they just keep running into the same problem over and over, I'm like, it's not working. Do this other thing. Do what the Bible's telling you to do. When a couple's fighting, 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 and I said, listen, you know what the Bible says about marriage? Do this, husband. Do this, wife. Okay? And they commit to it. And then they come back two weeks later and they go, it's not working. Did you, commit, did you do it? Well, I did it for two weeks. No, it, it wasn't... It wasn't It wasn't conditional. You keep doing it to get the results. We've looked at the whole armor, the importance of having a belt to hold everything together, the importance of having the breastplate of righteousness to to cover your heart. To have your feet shod with the gospel of peace. To be prepared to go out and spread the gospel. 
to have the shield of faith to ward off the fiery darts, to have the helmet of salvation to guard our thoughts in that sword. And you must learn how to use your sword, guys. And you're only going to do that by studying the Word of God. Training in the Word of God. You can't just buy a Bible, put your name to it, and think that you're good. You have to unsheath that thing, pull it out, open it up, and study and train. Why? Because that's the best way to defend yourself against the enemy. Remember Jesus in the temptation. He got baptized. He started his ministry at 30. Immediately he went into the wilderness for 40 days fasting and praying. And he got tempted three times by the enemy. How did he defeat the enemy? With the word of God. Why didn't he just snap his fingers and smoke Satan? Why didn't he just flick his finger and spin him out into outer space? Because he was trying to show you and me by example, how do you defeat the enemy? It's by submitting yourself to God, resisting the devil, and he will flee. If you want to defeat the enemy, you just quote him scripture. Jesus quoted scripture three times. He couldn't handle it. He was gone for a season. That's why you really need to know the word of God. It's important. That's why we study. Now, we've looked at the whole armor of God, and you probably say to yourself, but where's the prayer? Why isn't prayer part of the armor of God? I mean, shouldn't that be part of putting on? It's because prayer is your heavy artillery that comes from far away, an airstrike not in your control. The greatest wireless internet, Nemail. You should be praying up before you even put the armor on, praying up all during the armor, and praying up afterwards with thanksgiving for what God did. But prayer is powerful. It's so important. We need to be a praying church. In verse 18, it says, Praying always with all prayers and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Guys, we don't pray enough. I don't pray enough. I pray more than I have been. But I need to pray more. Because that's where we tap into the source for our power. is through God, through prayer. Don't think that you're going to make it through life just being saved and not having a praying relationship with God. He wants to hear from you. That's how we get strengthened. We need to be praying. Jesus is praying for us nonstop. We need to be praying for one another. Can you imagine? We could see that revival if we all committed ourselves to more prayer. That's why we've been doing prayer on Wednesday nights. You've got to come out. If you're going through anything, any kind of a struggle, come out. Pray. Get that deliverance. Wednesday nights has been amazing. But you got to show up. You got to pray. You got to believe that prayer changes things. We need to be praying. He talks about praying with all prayers and supplication. What is that? Well, prayer means general, supplication means specific. But then he goes and he says, what's, He says, praying in the Spirit. What's praying in the Spirit? It's praying to the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit. 
It's praying things that God wants for you. It's praying things of the Word of God. If you're not praying in the Spirit, it means you're praying for selfish reasons. And I'm there. You're there. You've done it. Lord, just get me out of this. Lord, I want this. Give me that. Oh, yeah, by the way, thanks. Praying without ceasing. In verse 19, he says, And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Are you kidding me? Did you just hear that? The Apostle Paul said, pray for me that I would have boldness. Is that crazy or what? Pray for me that I could have half the boldness of the Apostle Paul. Are you kidding? We should be praying for one another. Pray for your brother, your sister, your spouse, your family, your kids. God, strengthen them. Draw them close to you. Put a hedge of protection around them and give them boldness. You remember when Peter and the boys with boldness preached in the temple area and the the religious leaders got upset and they grabbed them and they forbid them don't you do this ever again and peter said listen what's better for me to to obey man or to obey god we cannot stop and he they went back and they shared with the people they were all gathered in this building this house or whatever it was and they all started praying and as they were praying they were praying for boldness and guess what happened the whole building shook And the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they started speaking with boldness. Wow. Let's do that right now. Ready? Lord, just give us boldness in Jesus' name. Something got shook. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Thank you. I'll give you your $20 after the service. Timing was impeccable. Pray, guys. Pray. The last few verses we'll end with um, is kind of just a a greeting to the people and letting them know that he's sending somebody to let them know and comfort them over his situation. He says in verse 21, but that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing. Tychicus, a a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God and the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all, those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Kind of sad to finish this book, huh? But we've seen a lot. God's shown us a lot through this study of these six chapters. We've learned our position in Christ, our reasonable response, that we can't do anything unless we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, and that we're in a warfare. And you need to understand something. Listen to me carefully, church. The warfare that's in your life right now is permitted by God. When we study the book of Job, we can see that Satan can't do anything unless God allows him to do it. And he's limited to what he can do. He can't go overboard. Because if Satan could go overboard, he'd kill every one of us right now. Satan cannot force you 
to sin. He dangles the bait. But we are in a spiritual warfare, and the warfare in my life is permitted by God. It's to strengthen me, and it's to bring glory to His name. And when people see our strength and our faith and our peace with God, when we're in tough times, it's a witness to them that leads them to the feet of Jesus. So remember when you're in the storm? Praise the Lord. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you um, for who you are and what you've done in our lives, Lord God. And as we finish up this year, we hope we were pleasing to you. And Lord, would you empower us to do more next year? Because you're worth it. We pray that you would strengthen us, put a hedge of protection around, around us, and, and ready us for this new year, whatever lies ahead. That we would be faithful, we'd stand strong, walk worthy, run the race, and finish well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys.